You are listening to the Business Society Podcast with Melissa Houston, CPA, financial strategist for CEOs, and a Forbes.com columnist. The Business Society community is where business owners come together to learn about real business, common problems, and real solutions. Are you a successful business owner who is now ready to learn how to increase your profit margins so that you can keep more money in your pocket and build your personal net worth? You are in the right place. With over 20 years of experience working with business owners, I share with you real advice that will help you increase the profit in your business and build your net worth. I know you're a genius at what you do, regardless of what profession you're in, and I'm here to help you make sense of the money and other pressing business issues. Have a business problem? We'll find real business solutions. Gretchen Rubin is one of today's most influential and thought-provoking observers of happiness in human nature. She's known for her ability to distill and convey complex ideas with humor and clarity in a way that's accessible to a wide audience. She's been interviewed by Oprah, walked arm in arm with the Dalai Lama, had her work written up in a medical journal, been the subject of a The Talk of the Town piece in the New Yorker magazine, and been an answer on the game show Jeopardy. She's the author of many books, including the blockbuster New York Times bestsellers, The Four Tendencies, and Better Than Before. Her book, The Happiness Project, has sold more than 1 million copies, been published in more than 30 languages, and spent more than two years on the New York Times bestseller list, including at number one. In her books, she draws from cutting-edge science, the wisdom of the ages, lessons from popular culture, and her own experiences to explore how we can make our lives happier, healthier, more productive, and more creative. Hello, Ms. Gretchen Rubin. I'm so excited to welcome you to the Business Society podcast. How are you? I'm great. I'm so happy to be talking to you today. This is very exciting. So I'm sure you require absolutely no introduction, but we will just go over that you are the best-selling author, New York Times best-selling author of The Happiness Project, and you have a few other books out there as well. So do you want to tell us a little bit about your books and what's going on with you? Yes, as you say, I'm a writer and I write about really about human nature, about how we can change if we want to change and how we can understand ourselves better. So as you said, The Happiness Project is probably my best known book. But what might be especially interesting for your listeners is I also wrote a book called Better Than Before, which is about habit change. It's about the 21 strategies we can make or break to use our habits. And I also wrote a book about the four tendencies, which is about a personality profile that I I sort of discovered that explains how people respond to outer expectations like a work deadline and inner expectations like I want to launch an e-course by the end of the year as my side hustle. And so that kind of explains why people do or don't do, you know, certain things. And what I've really learned from doing all this research and writing and talking to people is that People are really different. The same tools, the same strategies don't work for everyone, (laughs) which is perfectly obvious once you point that out. But so often we're we're trying to find like the right way, the best way, instead of realizing that it might be different for all of us. And so Mm -hmm. I'm very focused on trying to understand what's everything that we could make available so that people can really choose the strategies and tools that work for them. 
So when you say that everybody's different, like what are the main differences that you see between personalities and especially like for business owners Mm. and entrepreneurs? I mean, there are just so many. I mean, a very obvious, simple one is morning people and night people. A lot of times people will say, well, you should just get up early. And if something's important, you do it first thing in the, you know, do do it first thing in the morning. But research shows that while 40% of people are morning people, about 30% of people are night people and everybody else is sort of in between. And it's just not true that for night people, if something's really important to them, they should get up and do it first thing in the day. That's not when they're at their most productive, energetic and creative. And if you're a manager, you're trying to get a team to do something. If you ask people to raise their hands and you find that four out of five people in a meeting are night people, then don't schedule that meeting at 8.15 a.m., even if that's the best time for you as a morning person, because you're not going to be getting the most out of your team. You know, some things we can't change, but some things we can. And so one other thing that I've seen is some people love kind of a don't break the chain. They love to kind of keep track. They love to check things off. And like I created this journal, this don't break the chain journal, because for some people, that's really, really powerful. Like, let's say you want to work on your networking for half an hour every day. And you're like, you know, if I don't put it on the calendar, it's not going to get done. So I'm going to I'm going to commit to a half an hour. Well, you want to see that check mark every day keep track of all the people you've connected with. And then at the end of the year with this journal, you have this amazing record of all the times you did it, who you reached out to, and you can start to see the trends like, oh, after I go to a conference, this is much easier, or it's really hard for me to do this during vacation. No surprise. You know, you can start to, you can start to figure out your own patterns sometimes in ways that you don't when you're just sort of it's sort of saying to yourself, oh, I really need to work on my networking. You know, it's like, okay, yeah. maybe you need to make that into kind of a more concrete habit. And you've created a journal to help people with this? Yes, because for so many okay. people, this don't break the chain, this try to keep up the streaks. And this could be something also like, you know, going for a morning walk. A lot of people find that they're a lot more energetic and calm, What mm-hmm. you know, paradoxically pumps us up and calms us down. So keep a journal for that. You can yeah keep the don't break the chain tracker for just about anything that you're trying to track. Uh, oh, I love that is- because it really helps you get into the habit. Like once you're holding yourself accountable, for, yes. is that correct? Yeah. Yes. Okay, perfect. Yeah. So listeners, if you're curious about this journal, I will leave a link in yeah. the show notes and at the end of the broadcast. So now, did you notice the difference when the pandemic began? <sighs> and is this when you started your journal work? Well, I've been thinking about the differences among people and how different tools work for different people for for, for many, many years. But yes, looking at the disruption caused by the pandemic, it threw so many people into a new situation. So sometimes mm-hmm. it made good habits hard to keep, but sometimes it makes, made good habits easier to keep. I mean, I'm sure you've talked to a lot of people who've said, hey, now that I'm not commuting or now that I'm not doing that, like that bonkers work travel, I am having time to exercise. I am having time to do more future forecasting because I ha- I kind of have reclaimed this time and this energy. So it definitely got me very much more focused on how can I create the tools, a lot of tools that a lot of different kinds of people could be attracted to. And of course, I've been talking to people for so long. I've heard from people about like, you know, like keeping a journal of, let's say you're trying to start a business on your own. That's something that I'm sure you hear about a lot of people who want to do that. I certainly do too. They want to start their own business and they want to keep some kind of record of it, but then they don't because it's a lot of work to keep up a written record like that, even though, you know, it'd be invaluable. So I started a one sentence journal where you just write one sentence a day and that feels so manageable 
that a lot of people will keep it up. And so, and if you have to write, if every day you're writing kind of the most salient thing for that day, that's manageable. And also when you look back on it, it's a super helpful record. I mean, so many people say to me, I had no idea what I accomplished in one year. I completely forgotten about, I did this, I did that, man, I'm amazing. It's so true. (laughs) You know, you're like, I didn't get much done. And then you flip through this thing and you're like, wow, I did a lot more than I realized. It can be very encouraging too, to remind yourself of what you got done. But I just find that a lot of people and the busier they are, the harder it is to keep up with that kind of record. So by keeping it to one sentence, you really force people to be like kind of think carefully about what's worth recording. So it's like very dense information and it's also manageable. I mean, no matter how busy you are, you have time to write one sentence. So true. Now with the pandemic, did you find that there was, you know, like a negative impact on positivity? Well, it's very interesting. Research has shown that the influence has not been what we thought. There have been a lot of negative emotions, but it also seems that people were experiencing positive emotions as well. And this is all sort of getting shaken out right now. There's a lot of research trying to understand what everybody went through and what we're still going through. Certainly, I would say one of the overwhelming things that I saw was the uncertainty. That was what, for a lot of people, was really, really difficult. It's sort of like, give me a deadline. I can pace myself. I can do it. But I want to know kind of, you know, what am I dealing with here? And I think part of what's been really difficult for people is the uncertainty, which continues. Mm -hmm. And I think that made it hard for some people to sort of plan a lot of the the milestones of the year, whether that's, oh, I'm going to go to that big conference or I'm going to go on that spring break trip that I do every year or other kinds of, you know, oh, even I mean, even like the holiday party for, you know, Mm. where I'm going to go see all my coworkers from all over the country didn't happen. And so I think the uncertainty certainly did. It really was very hard for people to manage. So for people who had a difficult time, is there any recommendations that you would want to leave with them? Well, one of the things is to think about the fact that anxiety, because it is often caused by uncertainty, Action is also often an, an antidote to anxiety. So if you're feeling very anxious about some aspect, think about, well, what are some actions that I could take that could address it? If I'm worried about this, then what if I did this and this and this? Could that make me feel more in control of it? Could it help me understand how I could deal with it more constructively? So thinking about how to take action. One of the things is, you know, what a lot of people are experiencing is they have trouble sleeping, right? They can't go to sleep because they have so much on their mind or they wake up in the middle of the night and they can't go back to sleep because they have racing thoughts. The research shows that if you write down what you are worried about, that can very much help you. First, because like if it's the middle of the night, your brain will release that. If it's memorialized, it won't keep thinking, oh, I got to, Melissa, I got to remind you, don't forget, don't forget, don't forget. You know, and you can't, if you write it down, your brain can kind of release it. Then a lot of times when we write down problems, when we identify problems and sort of, you know, get a little perspective on them, we might see solutions or actions that we could take that could help us. Now, obviously with something like a global pandemic, there's a lot of suffering and anxiety that is just, you know, no list is going to take that away. I don't want to be unrealistic or Pollyanna-ish about what it would take. But in terms of just sort of like getting a better night's sleep, often that can help. Another kind of funny thing is scheduling time to worry. If you find that worrying is kind of crowding out all your thinking time, say to yourself, okay, you know, this time, 
every day or, you know, three times a week or whatever, I'm going to worry. 3 p.m. Wednesday afternoon. Oh, Monday, Wednesday, Wednesday, I've never Friday, heard of that. I love that. Yes. And you schedule time. And so if you find yourself starting to worry, you say, I'm, go I'm going to worry about that at three o'clock tomorrow because that's when I worry. And you sit down with your pencil and paper and you like sit down and then you just solidly worry. And what they find is that people then they kind of don't drain themselves by all this kind of background worrying that is just happening. But they don't say don't worry because worry, anxiety is very positive for us many times. That's what keeps us saving for retirement. That's what keeps us planning ahead. You know, a lot of times anxiety is very, very helpful. So you don't want to say, oh, you don't want to worry. Of course, in many cases, it's very helpful for you to worry and to be anxious and to, but you want to take action on that and you don't want to let it take over your life in a way that's not healthy. So scheduling time to worry is one way to tackle that. That is such an interesting perspective. I've never heard it put that way that anxiety is actually quite helpful. Oh, there's a wonderful book by, I think, Kelly McGonigal called The Upside, Upside of Anxiety. And she talks a lot about this. And even like the physical, when you feel the physical anxiety in your body, like, oh, I'm really excited. Or I feel that my body is like ramping up to help me with this. Like, I'm going to go out and talk to all these people. And I'm feeling really nervous because this is going to help me concentrate. And it's going to block out extraneous thoughts. And this is my brain, like bring helping me bring my A game. And just by even kind of reframing it a lot of times, instead of thinking like, oh, I shouldn't be feeling this way. It's like, oh, my body's trying to help me. It's like, I'm feeling very excited. This is really important to me. But again, it's about understanding how to use it in a way that's healthy and not becoming overwhelming, which can happen. And, and, and then that's not helpful. That's awesome. You know, and for me, working with my clients, I'm always encouraging them. And I liked how you brought that in saving for retirement, mm. you know, because that's anxiety inducing. Yes. And, you know, like what we do is we talk about building your net worth. And first of all, you build it through your business, you get the profits, and then you transfer it to your net worth and you're building your, your retirement savings and those type of things. So specifically, when you're saying, you know, anxiety is really good for, you know, retirement saving, can you put that in a, a little bit more of a context so people can understand better? Well, I think exactly what you're saying, you know, action is the antidote for anxiety. If you're feeling very concerned about the future, if you're really worried about the future, say, well, what are the concrete steps that I would take? that could make me feel like I'm taking action right now to address that. Part of it is just getting information. I'm sure you found that a lot of times people are so anxious about thinking about money and thinking about financial planning, they don't even like to think about it. And so it's to like really get the information in front of you. What is your current situation? That's action, which is, okay, I'm going to learn about where I am right now. And then the action is, what are the actions that I could take that could help me in the future to feel like I'm doing the prudent thing now. Mm -hmm. It's a long game. Making good choices now will set you up. But I will say <laughs> there's a proverb that I often find myself reminding myself and other people as well. And it's very relevant here is the proverb that the best time to plant a tree is 20 years ago. And the second best time is now. Yeah. But now it's the only time we've got. And so yeah. you really want to think about what should you do now? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That will set yourself up because 20 years from now, you'll be very glad you planted that tree. Yeah, absolutely. It's so true. And when you're doing your research, what type of issues did you see quite often within your research when it came to anxiety? Well, one thing is having trouble sleeping. Okay. Another one is kind of numbing behaviors. In fact, I have a podcast, I'm Happier with Gretchen Rubin, and my sister Elizabeth and co-host was just talking about how she called it zombie mode because she had been so burned. She went through this incredibly stressful work time and then and kind of now, even now that work has slacked off, 
she says she's in zombie mode and instead of doing something restorative like going to for a hike with a friend or reading a novel or you know you know taking a yoga class or whatever mm -hmm. she just sat on her sofa and played like you know games on her phone just to kind of just because she was sort of numbing herself out. So that's something that people often do with anxiety. They binge watch TV. They keep heading back into the kitchen, you know, to stick their hand into some crinkly bag of something. But sometimes it's, and this is another reason why something like keeping a journal, like a one sentence journal or a don't break the chain tracker or something is helpful, is that it's surprisingly hard for us to see patterns in ourselves. Like mm -hmm. you might not realize, I had the strange experience of realizing that when I'm working on a book about the five senses, I realized that one of my tells, you know, in gambling, a tell is like something that a poker player realizes that you do when you have a good hand or a bad hand. So they're always looking for other people's tells so they can kind of read their cards. My tell that I was feeling anxious was I was trying to dial down sensory overload. So I didn't want music to be playing. If my husband or my daughter was playing music in the kitchen, I wanted to turn it off. And I often wear perfume, but I, I'd stop wearing it. And when I asked around, I heard from other people who did the same thing, like someone who said that she listened to podcasts all the time, but then at a very stressful time, she couldn't listen to podcasts anymore. And then other people do the opposite. Like one person said he was eating lots and lots of spicy food. Somehow that, that helped him. So it's really helpful to think about, well, do I see patterns when I'm very anxious about how I'm dealing with it? Maybe are there unhealthy behaviors that I'm doing, mm. like hitting the snooze alarm over and over again, or staying up really late watching TV or scrolling my newsfeed. Sometimes people respond by like going deeper into their good habits, which of course is great. Making sure like, oh, I'm under so much stress. I, I really want to exercise every single day this week. I need that release. That's a, a healthy way that people respond. But so looking for a tell is very helpful because you may find that you, you can see in a mirror that you're feeling stress, even when you yourself are kind of in denial about it. Well, you know, it's funny, because I'm going to go back to what you were saying about your what your sister does, where yep. she plays video games on her phone. Yep. Whereas at the end of the day, for me to wind down, it's almost like it's my transition period. Now that I think mm. of it, it's like I'm done work, I go, I play Tetris. Yeah. And I find playing that it just relaxes me, you know, I, I kind of wind down from the day. But now I'm like, oh my God, is that a bad habit? No, no, no. But so th that's, a, that's a really, really important point because it's okay. all, it's not about any specific behavior. It's like, how does it fit into your day? Like, how long are you spending playing Tetris on any particular day? Sometimes it could be 30 minutes. Sometimes okay. I will confess it could be an hour. <laughs> okay. Okay. So 30 minutes to an hour, like once it starts to be like an hour, you could say to yourself, is this crowding out other activity that would give me a bigger boost in happiness, okay. health? creativity, productivity, you know, under 30 minutes, like maybe that's just a really good transition for you. And it helps you kind of close one part of your day and open up the next one. And it's, mm -hmm. and if you feel like you feel good about it and you come out of it and you're like, Oh, that felt like a little, you know, little brain exercise that felt good. The numbing happens when you start feeling like, wow, I completely lost track of time. I really regret that I spent so much time doing this. Oh, I there's see. so many things that I didn't have time for. I yeah. meant to do this, but somehow the day got away from me. It's when you start having those feelings of regret and that it's crowding out other things. 
because everything in its place, you know, every medicine can become poison, mm -hmm. but many things in the right amount are great, you know? Yeah, that's true. I guess everything in moderation, right? Yeah. Well, I like watch The Office. How many times have I watched the TV show The Office? Hundreds. Is that a good <laughs> use of my time? Probably not. But there's sometimes when I'm like, you know what I need right now is a good half hour of The Office. And it's <laughs> like you say, it's a good transition. It's kind of like, I know what I'm going to get. It's going to, it's going to give me a little bit of a lift. It's not going to demand much from me. It's not yeah. like something yeah. like, oh, I need to craft an email to, you know, see if somebody wants to go for a walk on the weekend and there's going to be all these logistics to deal with. And I'm like, I can't deal with that right now. Yeah. And so, at least the office gives you a good laugh. <laughs> it gives me a good laugh. And it's like, if I say, okay, I'm going to watch one episode. Well, then that's kind of that's kind of limited. So I think, I think part of it is to say, is it a healthy treat? Is it, you don't want to do something to make yourself feel better. That just ends up making you feel worse. So yeah. you want to make sure that it is making you feel better mm -hmm. and you don't look back on it with regret. Now for business owners and entrepreneurs, do you have any specific tips that you, you would want to leave with them on, you know, how to improve their habits or, mm -hmm. you know, maybe get into the workday or transition or what have you? Well, I really think that the, the place you have to start is self-knowledge because I think a lot of people get very discouraged because they've tried things in the past that haven't worked. But a lot of times when I talk to these folks, I, I think, well, you're trying to set it up in a way that's not right for you. You're trying to do what someone else is telling you is the right way, but maybe it's not the right way for you. Like, okay, so just let's talk about accountability. For some people, they really thrive on account of this. This goes to my four tendencies framework, which I won't get into. But the general, the general observation is that some people really thrive on outer accountability. They do really well with deadlines. They do really well with clients and bosses and teams and deliverables and check-ins. And then for some people, they really don't like the feeling of someone looking over their shoulder. They don't want somebody kind of knowing what they're doing or checking in on them. And so you have to know for yourself or for others, if you're working with others, like, is this a person who does, who thrives with accountability? Or is this a person who really is maybe pushes back from accountability? And I need to give them the space to let them do their work their way. Because this is something I think a lot of entrepreneurs find is that when they're in one environment that has lots of accountability, they thrive and are very, very productive. But then maybe if they go out on their own and all of a sudden they don't have any accountability except to themselves, well, then they struggle. And to those people, I say, okay, well, just get a client, get a student, get a customer, even if you have to get a customer before your product is even ready, like get yourself somebody counting on you. I, I, know, yeah. I know somebody who wanted to do an e-course and wasn't able to do it, just kept stalling, felt paralyzed. And then she told, she, she went on and said like, hey, I'm creating this e-course, sign up here. And 15 people signed up like in the day. And now she's like, well, now I have to sign up for it. All these people are expecting. And they hadn't even paid for it. It was just the idea that these 50 people were sort of looking at their watch being like, wait, I thought I was going to get that e-course. Now she felt like she had to do it. And that was just because she needed that accountability. So knowing yourself, knowing that every, every tool doesn't work for every hand and thinking, well, when have I succeeded in the past? Where do I do my best work? When do I find myself facing difficulties? Because a lot of people blame themselves and it's just like, I've just set things up differently. Maybe in different surroundings, different setup will allow you to do your work your way and get things done in the way that's right for you. Absolutely. Because even, you know, when we were talking earlier, when you were talking about some people just can't get up and exercise yeah. early in the morning, it's not their yeah. best time. I'm definitely one of those people. There you and go. I always felt bad about not being able to do that. So now I'm like, I almost feel like you've given me permission. It's find another time in the day. Find that another time. Yeah. Yes. 
Because you also often kind of get the feeling like, well, if you're not going to do it first thing in the day, like, I just yeah, don't know what to it. tell you. Like, yeah. no, but it's like, go at lunchtime, go at four o'clock. Yeah. I mean, I can see all the reasons like, oh, gosh, I'm kind of sluggish now. If I go out and go for a half an hour walk outside in the sunshine and like get some movement, that's going to re-energize me for the last part of my day. That mm -hmm. could be great for you. Yeah, absolutely. It's, you know, shifting the mindset and shifting yeah. the, the patterns and such. I love that. So, you know, it's been absolutely fabulous talking with you today. I've really enjoyed our conversation. If there was one main tip that you would want to leave entrepreneurs with, mm. what would that be? It would do the work in the way that's right for you. Do not let anybody else tell you this is the one way, this is the right way, this is the best way. Think about yourself and when you do your best work, when you've succeeded in the past and try to set things up in the way that works for you, you can't control everything. You can't set up everything just to suit yourself because a lot of times we have to work with colleagues and customers and clients and all that. But to the extent that you can, try to work with your nature instead of trying to force yourself into someone else's mold because you find that work comes much more easily then. I absolutely love that. So... Gretchen, it's been such a pleasure speaking with you today. Now, this is probably an obvious question, but I'm going to say it anyways. If mm. people want to find you, mm. where would they look for you? Well, they can go to GretchenRubin.com. That's a, kind of a great way to get into all of my books. I have lots of free resources. If you're interested in learning more about the four tendencies, which whether you're an upholder, questioner, obliger, rebel, I talked about that briefly, the four tendencies, uh, you can take the quiz at quiz.gretchenrubin.com. It's free and quick. I have a podcast called Happier with Gretchen Rubin, where each week I talk about sort of strategies and tips and hacks for how to be happier, healthier, more productive, and more creative. And on social media. I am everywhere you might find yourself practically. And my name there is Gretchen Rubin. And I love to hear insights and observations and questions from people. So hit me up. Thanks for listening to the Business Society podcast. If you've enjoyed this episode, leave us a review. Your ratings and reviews help more people like you find our podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and share this podcast with someone you think would love it. Until next time, I'm Melissa Houston. And never forget, nobody will ever care about your money as much as you do. So never give your financial power away.